raindrop reflecting on the water as the sun shuts her eyes. Don't know why you uncover. Watch the tide rolling with the moonlight. Everything is silent on this wheezy piano. Welcome to church for this episode of Missing Magnolias. Scarlett, and we've got Michelle here. Hello. We're calling this episode Take Me to Church, and you'll soon see why. We have two cold cases of two different women, both brutally murdered inside two churches. The first case is related to Pastor Carol Daniels. On Sunday, August 23rd in 2009, 61-year-old Pastor Carol Daniels was found brutally murdered inside the Christ Holy Sanctified Church in Anadarko. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know anything about Oklahoma. So now I know about Anadarko now because of this horrible, horrible crime. It kind of put it on a map. I think it's a town of like 6,000 people. So for local listeners, that's probably like Kaplan Small. It's a really bizarre case. So we have an elder lady pastor who is found nude inside of the church, and she's been brutally stabbed, over 20 stab wounds. And she was said to be found in the crucifixion position. So arms out and feet crossed. But we don't exactly know if that was intentional, if that was body posing, or if she fell in that way. And just it being in a church made people think about a crucifix position. I don't know. There's a lot to talk about in that. Her body was also doused with, I believe, bleach. So there was no DNA evidence anywhere on her body. And the knife that they believe was used to kill her was never located. It's been about 11 years, and we still don't know Um, who's responsible for her murder. And it's really one of the most disturbing unsolved homicides in Oklahoma. For example, the Caddo County District Attorney, Brett Burns, quoted it as a horrific crime and one of the worst crime scenes he's seen in 20 years. So just to give us a day-by-day of what Carol's life was like before the murder, she's part of this really sleepy town that has some drug use and maybe some gang activity, but it's small, like we said. And she arrives to church on a Sunday morning, per usual, at 10 a.m. There's a convenience store nearby that has camera footage and some really grainy footage of her arriving and perhaps the offender. By 11.40, parishioners arrive at the church. The door's locked. Her vehicle's there. They go to the police. The police enter a side door that may or may not have been unlocked, and they find her in that position. She had been stabbed. Like I said, over 20 times, nearly severing her head. So what we see here is definitely some overkill. She also has 12 additional lacerations. It looks like self-defense wounds, so she had fought back. Another really bizarre thing is that her hair was burned. It was singed to the scalp. And I think from what we've read, it's difficult to know the process of the hair singeing or what was used, what type of tool would you send your hair, that sort of thing. But she died of multiple sharp force injuries. They brought in the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, and they got some behavioral science experts to come in. They note no other similar crimes. I mean, church crimes in and of themselves are incredibly rare. Since then, the building has been demolished. About less than a year later, there's a memorial now. In 2014, one witness reported seeing someone with a knife that had blood on it. Then they carried it to a shed and burned it. But then that witness died. The 
footage shows a blurry white clothed figure, but uh, that mm. the camera footage was really grainy for the time. There's lots of theories in the town. I mean, who wouldn't be gossiping about this kind of story? Perhaps some individuals with histories of drug abuse and selling drugs were at one point investigated. They had a suspect who was a woman who died of cancer in 2017, had another suspect who was a drug dealer who was ruled out and convicted of another crime. We had some grand jury investigations that failed to yield any leads. And the DA in 2018 says he believes the case to be solved, even though no one has been brought to justice. And he says he'll never stop trying to close this case. Alvin Daniels, the son of the victim, told Nancy Grace that his mother was always joking, always taking care of us, even giving us her last dollar, even if she didn't have it. So we had a woman who was really kind and compassionate, loving member in her community who was killed in a really horrific way with some very bizarre behavioral patterns associated with her homicide. And it is to date unsolved. If anyone has any information, they can call the OSBI tip line at 1-800-522-8017. Wow. It's crazy that such a horrible, horrible crime and it's still, quote unquote, hasn't been solved. I know that the current DA says, in his opinion, it's been solved. I guess they just can't legally prove it based on what the police know, which in and of itself is rather interesting. I guess let's start about the crucifixion position, how rare that is. Posing in and of itself is incredibly rare. And we could go down the rabbit hole with the crucifixion thing. So most offenders don't pose. Even most serial killers don't pose their victims. So this is a very, if it's posing, it's very unique. And it's usually to send some sort of a message. Some serial offenders might pose to shock the police. They might pose the victim in sexually suggestive ways because they want whoever walks in on that crime scene to be really, really shocked and surprised and scared. Also, another means to degrade the victim. So if we have posing here, just based on that knowledge, you're absolutely trying to send a message if you pose an elderly woman in a crucifixion pose and leaving her body naked or purposely taking off her clothes. From what I understand, there's no evidence of sexual assault. So her not having clothes is a pretty big thing. And I guess the question becomes, at what point did her clothes come off? Did they kill her and then decide, okay, I might have left some evidence on her body and her clothes, so I'm going to take her clothes Mm -hmm. off? Well, then you are intentionally posing her in the crucifixion pose afterwards. But there is some evidence that we can fall and cross our legs. That's kind of like a common cross at the ankle fall position if you die in the process of falling. But I think in combination with her being naked is a signifier of somebody trying to send a message. And then behind the altar too, usually right, the crucifixion is usually right behind the altar. And just something about that was a little bit unnerving. And then people have speculated she's African-American. It's in a church. What's their bias? Are you trying to scare people? Are you angry at religion? Are you angry at this religious organization? Are you trying to send a message in that way? Are you trying to scare those community members? I mean, who wouldn't be frightened by something like that? 
the singeing of her hair to the scalp is another yeah. really bizarre thing. You try to apply reason to it, and I don't think we'll ever know what the reason for that is until we hear from the offender. It was so interesting that many of the news articles at the time said from the behavioral science experts that there have been no crimes similar to this one anywhere in the U.S. And you said that church crimes are super, super rare. Waiting for someone to come in and have some sort of grandiose insight into this type of offender. I would really want to know what was done pre-mortem and post-mortem. And then was the intention of rage and anger? Like some people do overcommit crime and have overkill as part of it because they really, really have a lot of hatred and anger towards that person or what they represent. It could be that she represented the church for this offender and he or she was very angry with this entity. It could be that they were personally degraded under the eyes of the church, so they wanted to degrade someone else in that way. Maybe it was a very personal vendetta. It could be someone that she had known and they knew that she would be going to church at that time and that she would typically be alone. I mean, it's a small town. We all know right. who goes certain places. She didn't come every Sunday. This congregation was no longer practicing, but she came every other Sunday when and opened the doors for if any parishioners wanted to come in, she was available. So she gets there at 10 a.m. and then two parishioners come around 1140. And then I, I guess the police are also nearby. So when they realized the doors were locked and they were hollering and honking and they got suspicious, they went and got the police. So it's Sunday. It's a small town. You've got someone that committed a horrific, horrific crime. And you've got also the convenience store. I know that we got the footage of the grainy possible offender that was maybe in white. You would think someone would have seen something, possibly. I mean, it, there would have been people out, maybe, or at least cars in the neighborhood. But I guess there was not much to notice if the offender had planned it, especially to use a corrosive agent to wash her body, suggest that there was some planning. I don't know if I would assume that there would be bleach there. Oh, that's a good point. So did you bring it with you? And if so, that would be... Somebody that knew where the stuff was, Yeah. Absolutely. They could have just been really, really good planners. And this person would have had to change clothes. I'm assuming they would have been bloody unless they were able to get in their car really quickly. You almost decapitate somebody. That's a messy crime scene. And then the, the near decapitation thing, it can in and of itself be a signature. I've been reminded of other cases where in which near decapitation was a very clear marker for a pattern of offending. That's terrifying. I want to caution anybody from taking a satanic panic to this sort of thing. Most of our offenders are not very well versed in any of Satanism or occult beliefs or anything like that. So I don't know if it's suggesting the opposite of sort of Christian faith, but it is surely suggesting some sort of feelings towards organized religion. In a small town, you think maybe you could start to gather your suspects and start checking off some things. It's crazy that this hasn't gotten quite as much attention. I know Nancy Grace covered it. I don't think it's as well known as our next case. Right when you think this would be huge and everywhere in the news and people freaking yeah. out and wanting to protect right. their old ladies and their churches. But of course we have, one could argue, is a less than ideal victim again, right? We have an individual who's black. And we know that those individuals of color are less likely to receive media attention, even in cases where in which we have a shocking levels of violence, which is usually incredibly newsworthy. 
We mentioned Anadarko as drug offenses are common in the area. There was a theory that possibly it was a robbing or maybe it was some drug offender that she had maybe counseled. Based on the cleaning agents and just the level of premeditation, what do you have to say to that theory? The research would tell us that people who commit crimes that are fueled by drugs usually don't plan successfully or with much forethought. Based on what we know, it seems like somebody actively on drugs would not go to the extent of cover-up in the way that this offender did. People that live in the area have commented on this case and that there's been KKK flyers in nearby towns. And that's just another possible way to color this, which we don't necessarily want to do. But it was very weird in that grainy video. The person was wearing white. I don't know if that's just because the video was grainy and it blurred whatever they were wearing. Also, were they wearing white when they committed the crime? It definitely raises some flags. I mean, we have seen cases of black church burning throughout Mm -hmm. history in the United States. And as recently in Louisiana, what, last year? Last year. We had a series of black churches that were burnt down by a racially motivated offender who's now in prison. I think they did charge it as a hate crime. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, I think, that it could be a hate crime. If this was known to be a black church and someone took steps to desecrate a religious place and person because they are black. For a host of reasons, religion and racism and the way these crimes are committed do tend to go hand in hand. Also, you know, some of those people who believe in these hate groups like the KKK, not necessarily part of them, but like believe in them, they tend to have a relationship with fire. And we do have the fire element in this case. Wow. But then one could go to argue, why not burn down the building? They demolished it the next year. <laughs> potential evidence could have still been in the building and they just demolished it. Yeah, potential evidence. I mean, maybe it was just so disturbing that nobody right. wanted to be in there anymore. Right. Our next case that we're going to cover is Terry Missy Beavers, who goes by Missy Beavers. Missy was a Texas fitness instructor. She was living in Middle Lothian, Texas, which is near Dallas. And on the morning of April 18th, 2016, Missy woke at 3.30 a.m. to drive to her 5 a.m. class. This was normal for Missy. She was teaching a gladiator boot camp. She would normally teach it outside of the Creekside Church in Middle Lothian, Texas, And because it was raining on this particular day, they had moved practice to inside the church. Her Facebook said, if it's raining, we're still training. So that just kind of shows you fitness was very important to her. It was her everything. It was her lifetime goal. She was very passionate about fitness. Class was at 5 a.m. So students started to arrive. And somewhere either between 4.30 or 5, students found Missy's body. An ambulance was called, but she was pronounced dead on arrival. Police say she died of puncture wounds to the head and chest, and not much else has been said about cause of death. The church had some damage to the windows and front door. Police quickly released to the public CCT footage asking for help. The video shows a squatty, broad-shouldered figure with an odd gait dressed in police garb. It looks like a SWAT outfit. This person arrives at 3.50 a.m., The video is super disturbing. It's become a huge part of this case. 
The person seems to be combing the corridors, checking for locked doors. He or she is carrying what looks like a claw hammer. There's two other tools at different points in the video. The footage is somewhat grainy, but it's either a, a hammer, a crowbar, pliers. In less than an hour, we know that Missy would be dead. Missy was 45. She had three children. She had been married for 20 years. After she was murdered, it came to light that Missy was having extramarital affairs and possibly her husband was as well. It was known that, that they were having financial troubles. Both her husband and her father-in-law had an alibi for her time of death. They were out of town on a fishing trip. It became suspicious with the video. The public started to see similarities in the gait of the father-in-law with the person in the video. And so the father-in-law, even though he had an alibi, was somewhat scrutinized. A dry cleaner reported to police that the father-in-law a few days later had dropped off a bloody collared shirt. The father-in-law had said that a pet chihuahua had gotten in a fight. The blood was confirmed as animal blood and he was eliminated as a suspect along with the husband. There was also CCTV footage of a car parked in a nearby sporting goods store. Unfortunately, they were unable to get the license plate off of the car. It was a Nissan Altima 2010-2012 model. Also disturbing after this case is that friends apparently and people that she trained started receiving Facebook requests that were after she had died and were clearly fake accounts. This case has still not been solved, so anyone with information can contact the Middle Othean Police Department and their tip line. It should be noted that Missy was not a part of this congregation. She was actually part of the Cowboy Church, which we're told was nearby. The video footage is disturbing, knowing, for one, the way the person is dressed and the gait, the sort of nonchalant stance and walkthrough. It sort of has like that old-timey 80s killer <laughs> walk. Yeah. Like they always walk real slow, but they always catch you. This could be a high school, too. It's so disturbing. Like, he's banging on lockers or something, and you know that he's going to pull off the ski mask and a bunch of cheerleaders and football players. It's exactly like some horrible 80s movie. Absolutely. It's just like a scary movie. And what's so disturbing is that he is in there walking, he or she is in there walking around, and there's nothing we can do about it. We know he's going to get messy, and, and she's going to be killed. And watching that video, it carries a lot of weight. What's amazing is that there's forensically, there's so much information that they could glean from just these two minutes. They've never been able to narrow down the height of this person. They estimated anywhere from 5'2 to 5'8, male, female. You would think that we would be able to pinpoint, people have even mentioned that there's the door that you can use as a reference for this person's height. Measure exactly on the door and you'd have a narrower range rather than 5'2 to almost six feet tall. And as well as weight and shoe size? I would say surely law enforcement knows. Maybe they just don't want us to know. Right. They brought a lot of people onto this case. They brought, they had like 10 investigators. They brought in the FBI. And surely there's gate forensics. Here we have this offender just roaming around, leaving all kind of video evidence and perhaps a vehicle. You'd think that this would be a case that could be pretty quickly solved. 
And then it was interesting that we don't know if it's male or female. I know a family member was interviewed and she believes, I think it was Missy's sister, maybe that this was a jealous wife. But then how rare would it be for another woman on woman to bludgeon another woman to death? As also, it would seem super rare. Despite the TV show Snap, women are <laughs> less likely to commit violent crimes than men by and large. And I think that it could, surely, it could, women can do anything, right? Don't sell yourself short. Surely you can kill someone if you want to. But probably the likelihood is that, it, I mean, if we're looking at odds, it's a man. Something about the gate, it just seems, and I'm sure everyone after they listen to our episode, maybe they'll go and watch it. Their feet are almost bow-legged. It's like a right angle. It's a very distinct walk. I don't know, maybe if the shoes are the wrong size or that's just maybe their bow-legged gait. There are people that walk bow-legged. I also think it's interesting, the outfit, the SWAT team-like yeah. outfit that they're wearing. It reminds me of, like, somebody who thinks they know how to prepare for a crime. Like, <laughs> somebody who's never done anything like this before in their life, and they're like, okay, I should definitely put on, like, SWAT team clothes. Like, I need this. It seems like somebody who's very not well-versed in, in offending in that way. And they went through some effort to maybe possibly lead people that this could have been a robbery or like a chance encounter by breaking some windows and doing some. But clearly this person, it was wait, lying in wait for Missy. They knew what time she would be there. Maybe they knew her husband was out of town. Also, that's another maybe thing to comment upon, <laughs> conveniently having an alibi. And I know that I've read a few things about people speculating the soundness of that alibi. I mean, I think we just don't know enough. Like, the police aren't going to tell us everything. And so we can wonder about it as the general public, but we'll probably never know how airtight that alibi is. Oh, and another good point is because, again, there's so many theories. And in many ways, this was a small town, too, that's been forever changed by this crime. Someone maybe speculated this was a hired kill. She was bludgeoned to death. Why not a gun? That person then would know maybe guns are more traceable. But then it's also more contact, more rage for that kind of killing. Based on what we know about hired killers who we've caught, they mostly use guns. Because you don't want close contact. Right. If you have close contacts with the victim, you are being risky. You are risking your ability to fight with them hand to hand. You are risking them pulling pieces of your clothes or hair fiber or anything. You're risking way too much the closer you get to a victim. If I'm a well-versed hired killer, I'm not going to dress up in my little costume. I'm not going to break some windows. And I'm not going to beat them to death with the claw end of a hammer, right? I'm going to do what's best for me. I think when people say, now, could this be a higher killer who break all the rules? Sure, prove me wrong. But I think if we go along the hired killer track, I think we're really just thinking about like stuff we've seen in movies as opposed to how actual hired hitmen behave. Are you inclined to think that this could be a woman or do you think this is a man? I think if we look at the likelihoods, it's more likely to be a man than it is a woman. I think women generally know that they have physical limitations and that Missy was very fit. And perhaps if we're a woman, we don't want to take those risks again. Why not bring a gun or use a gun? I think this offender took a lot of risks to kill her in this way. And so that must have been for a reason. 
And it's so insidious because they practice outside regularly. So they would have to have seen her Facebook post and also it was raining and know that they were going to be inside the church. There's so much planning in this. Absolutely. I mean, unless it's just sheer coincidence, which is possible, but profoundly rare that chances are somebody knew that she was going to be there and that she was going to be alone for a brief period of time. I wonder what you think about the, I almost didn't register this, but it was such a small note, the Facebook after the fact that someone's creating these fake, is this the public because it's got so much attention? Is this the offender, some sort of rage? It's hard to know. I mean, I would think that law enforcement has looked into that and found it to be unrelated just because it's fairly easy to trace unless somebody has advanced skills. Now, we could all, it doesn't take that much skill to get a VPN. Still, law enforcement's pretty good at using their team of investigators and tools to trace even VPNs. So it seems like if they had digital forensic evidence, they would have pursued those leads to any extent that they could. And that's troubling, too, then that you've got people, just trolls, just doing this to do this if it's not related. We're all more likely to be killed by someone we know and love. So that goes for Missy, too. The best investigators are using that knowledge to guide their investigation. One would think that the husband and the father-in-law were incredibly vetted. That's kind of scarier, though, than who is it? She's got three young girls that have to grow up without their mother. And then to know that their mother was murdered in such a very brutal and severe way in a place that is full of good and positive things. Have this terrible person come in and saunter around the room. And then she sort of surely has become this sort of urban legend, right? This story that we pass around the campfire or when we're alone at night. And that's a terrible misjustice to the story of this woman's life. I think she might have gotten into fitness kind of late in life, which is just awesome. This 45-year-old woman in the last five years or whatever just picked up, not just like doing like a spin class, going like these gladiator outdoor and then training people. And then to be brutally murdered. Again, we have this is another example of a place where in which we had this wonderful thing turn into this thing of nightmare. It's so disturbing that both of these killings There's just no reason. And it must be super frustrating for the family. And there's just no clear motive even. It's just horrible. It's just like for show, just rage and make a spectacle, really. That's really what it feels like. And I think that's what makes them even scarier is that, or that's what stays in our brain and keeps us up at night is that these look like displays. I hope we see these solved. 